Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in-depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are talking the Baylor brand. We'll have a state of the brand report with Jason Cook, Vice President for Marketing and Communications and Baylor's Chief Marketing Officer. We got a lot of exciting things to talk about, uh, Jason, from Baylor uh, reaching R1 uh, status in the last year to new facilities to a great interest in Baylor among the students incoming. A lot of things we can talk about over the next 23 minutes or so. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, you bet, Derek. Thanks for the opportunity. It is uh, such a great time for Baylor. It is a lot of things. In fact, as we were thinking about questions, there's a lot of good things we won't get to talk about a lot because there's just so many uh, exciting things to mention. But so here, here's the first question: okay. If you are act- so, this is a state of the brand report. Okay. If you are actually, uh, if you are actually tasked by President Livingstone to, let's just say, go into Waco Hall and do a state of the brand report to the to the Baylor family, how would you open it, or what would be the topics that you would start off with? Well, I tell you what, I would be much more excited about doing the state of the brain report now than when I was first hired in December sure. of 2016. Uh, you know, it's just amazing, Derek, how how far this institution has advanced over the past five, five and a half years and where we've gone over that time. And so if you look at there's some big buckets that I think that you have to look at uh, that's really driving the the success and the visibility of, of, of the Baylor brand. One, academically, uh, you mentioned it in, in the question about uh, Baylor achieving R1 status, research one status, where we're now recognized as one of the top research institutions in the country while maintaining our Christian identity, which is extremely important to us. So that's one bucket. You look at athletics, uh, just the uh, the championship caliber teams that we're putting on the courts and on the fields and the championships that we're winning. And, you know, that, that quintessential moment in the Big 12 championship game, the goal line stand or winning the, uh, the Sugar Bowl over an SEC opponent. You know, those kinds of things are, are just really huge for us. Uh, reaching a, a $1.1 billion fundraising campaign when a lot of people said there's no way that it would be possible. And look, we've eclipsed that and we're continuing to move forward. And then just the incredible interest that we're seeing from prospective students from around the country. Uh, this coming fall class, uh, we're probably going to be right at 50% out of state. Wow. And so um, that's really testament that Baylor has reached this point where we are a, a national brand, and it's something uh, for us to be proud of and fling our green and gold. You know, if we talked to a bunch of people, they'd have a, probably a decent idea definition of brand, but you'd probably find some different uh, different definitions from people. When you define a brand, what are you talking about? Well, I always go back to a, a quote by Jeff Bezos, the, the founder of Amazon, and he said, you know, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. Now, obviously, we want to, to go and portray Baylor in a certain way and hit our distinctiveness and our strengths. But ultimately, the, our brand is in the hands of the, of the Baylor family, of prospective students or people in the Waco community across the country. They're the ones who really uh, dictate uh, who, who and what our, our brand is. So so that's the, the first component when you look at what is a brand. The second thing is, uh, is uh, something I always say, that brands are built by a series of moments over time. 
brands are built by a series of moments over time. So if you look at Baylor, founded in 1845, we have a 177-year-old brand. And so um, so what we're looking at is how do we actually um, look to to make impressions and influence uh, the brand? Um, can't do it all at once, but a consistent, uh, conscientious effort uh, to really get what those perceptions are and align what we think our brand is. Well, so Jason Baylor had, you know, everything from ads to social media to events can uh, is is our effort to to shape the brand or to tell the brand story. How do you measure, how do you monitor and get an accurate portrayal of what other people are thinking or saying? Yeah, really good question. And, and I think that ultimately, you know, the proof's in the pudding, so to speak. You look at the incredible interest that we're seeing amongst uh, prospective students and fundraising and the academic profile continues to, to rise. So that's where what our true key performance indicators are as an institution. But I, I probably do more research here at Baylor than I've done throughout my career. And so there's a couple of, uh, of individual things that we look at. We do longitudinal research with pers- uh, prospective students and their parents uh, through a national firm called Simpson Scarborough. Uh, we have uh, we do national polling on a regular basis with a, through a company called Morning Consult, which does a lot of really big polls. If you watch uh, the news, uh, sometimes you'll see yeah. these Morning Consult polls that come out. We have an extensive uh, social media listening um, uh, team and then uh, tools as part of that. And then really our admissions teams, we do a lot of surveys, focus groups, and things of that nature. So you pull all that information together and you really get a good indicator of of the health or the strength of the Baylor brand. Visiting with Jason Cook, Vice President for Marketing and Communications. And, you know, Jason, uh, the past year, especially, you know, after coming uh, out of the uh, the depths of the pandemic, you've been able to travel more. It's not all just research in the office. You get to talk to people more and go right. different places. What are some moments that have uh, stood out to you over the past year, whether in Waco or elsewhere in the country, just getting to visit with the Baylor family and share with what's going on with them? You know, a couple of these seminal moments that that kind of come to mind is, is one, uh, we had uh, an alumni event in in Atlanta for, for the Baylor family at the College Football Hall of Fame. And that was the first time I'd gotten to go to the College Football Hall of Fame. And you walk in and you see the Baylor helmet on this wall of helmets. Uh, it was a really neat environment. But that moment where we announced that Baylor had reached the $1.1 billion campaign goal through the Give Light campaign, and we shot confetti streamers uh, all throughout the College Football Hall of Fame, wound up making confetti angels at the mm-hmm. at the end and, and things of that nature. That's just one of those moments. It's like, you know, this is something that the entire Baylor family should be proud of. Uh, the second one that comes to mind is we had a Give Light event in Nashville uh, in uh, early April, I believe, and uh, where we had a songwriters roundtable. And uh, so these are some of our Baylor alums who are writing music for uh, some folks who are at the pinnacle of country music. And I'm a huge country music fan all of a sudden, and uh, to hear them. But it really speaks to the impact uh, that Baylor has in so many areas, walks of life. And so I, I look at the the accomplishments. I look at the venues that we're at, the cities we are. We look at the people. And uh, all that added up to me is like, you know, Baylor's making an impact not only here in Waco and Texas, but across the country. Well, Jason, let's talk about some snapshots from the last year. And, and you mentioned you mentioned one. So let, let's start with that first, with uh, reaching $1.1 billion and more than that um, in the Give Light campaign. Um, what is it? Uh, 
you know, first of all, what does that communicate about where Baylor is that we could reach and we could set a bold goal, which I think is kind of a theme. We set a bold goal. We exceed that bold goal. Uh, what, what, what does that say about us? You know, uh, it, it's hard to put what that impact is. Um, and, you know, it's a big number. How, how do you how do you make that real, so to speak? Uh, but there's a couple things that really jump to mind is one, there, there's tangible things that you could look at and um, the investments that we're making in the infrastructure uh, around our campus here in the Waco community really signals that there's a strong commitment uh, within the Baylor family uh, for for Baylor to shine their light brightly uh, across uh, across the country and around the world. So that's a tangible manifestation of the support that we have as an institution, but also the momentum uh, that we have as well. So that's the first thing that really jumps to mind. The second thing is um, so much of the Give Light campaign is money that we'll never see. In other words, it's going to the endowment, uh, which really um, uh, makes an investment of the future of the institution. And so that's going to look at our longevity into the future. But that endowment also allows us to hire higher levels uh, of faculty. Uh, it, it, it allows us to bring greater amounts of scholarships and financial aid to students as well. So we tend to focus on buildings because that's what we could see. But really, this Give Light campaign is having a transformational, long-lasting impact for Baylor University. How important? I know uh, we've heard people talk about President Livingstone has talked about growing uh, the growing the endowment, and that's happened uh, through this. You know, you mentioned the long term aspect. What, what's most important to the university? And you know, you see the short term, but also are keeping that long term approach through this. I, I think that it's it's something that uh, consistency. Um, and then uh, from a, you look at a faculty person, we've hired a lot of endowed mm-hmm. chairs. Got uh, a few more coming to announce yes, soon. Yeah, a really exciting time. It, people want to come to Baylor, but they see that endowment and uh, as, a, as a sign of commitment, as a sign of longevity, um, and to support their research and not have to worry about how they're going to fund grad students or how they're going to fund, uh, fund postdocs to help them. It, it's really a commitment that, that Baylor's making in, in the world of research research, but also growing as an institution as well. You know, Jason, uh, you mentioned the tangible aspects of it. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to soon be seeing the uh, Foster Pavilion starting to rise. The, the Herd Welcome Center almost looks like it could open any day. Is it moving so uh, quickly on the other side of I-35? Right. What does that, uh, what, what is that gateway going to mean to Baylor? Just for people, maybe they never even stepped foot on campus, but they see it as they're hiding on 35. Well, I, it's two permanent billboards. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's just uh, some of my billboard budget that I could take back because you're going to hit that. Uh, they did such a great job with McLean Stadium. You're coming from Dallas, uh, entering uh, Waco on I-35, and you hit that, that overpass that's still there. It mm-hmm. has a been torn down with all the construction and the way McLean Stadium sits, it's like, oh my gosh, what a what a great welcoming presence that you know that once you uh, enter Waco, this is Baylor's town. And so then you're going to hit a couple of other overpasses, and on the left you're going to have the uh, Mark and Paula Heard Welcome Center, and on the right have the Foster Pavilion. These are two substantive welcoming centers um, to to our community. And so I think it's going to be really uh, impactful and really exciting to see that, you know, this is the home of Baylor University and, uh, and we don't mess around mm-hmm. here. We're making significant advancements. I don't know if "cool" is an official uh, is official marketing term you use when you're doing your market research, but 
it's going to look cool. It's I, I think so. Yeah. If you look at the Market Pollard Welcome Center, just the idea is that you have these four light towers that are going mm-hmm. to illuminate at night through the, through the ceiling, the roof of, of that building, and, uh, and it has ties to the four columns at Independence. Mm-hmm. So it's a modern interpretation of what our history is as part of that. So it's going to have a, a really big cool factor, and we can't wait to show it off. This is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Jason Cook, Vice President for Marketing and Communications and Chief Marketing Officer. So certainly reaching, uh, you know, surpassing the Give Light goal has been one big moment of the year. Who would have thought that uh, right around that same time we would reach R1 earlier than we thought Baylor, a Research One University with very high research activity, President Livingstone, you know, really set that course when she was inaugurated in 2017, building on work that had been done, uh, you know, by people to move towards that. So... R1. Uh, first, I have to ask you this first, though. How did you, President Livingstone, how did everyone find out when we well, got R1? Well, I, I really hate to admit this, uh, to be honest with you, Derek, but uh, we were in the middle of a President's Council meeting, and uh, you know, we typically do in-person meetings on Mondays and virtual meetings on Thursdays, and this just happened to be one of those virtual meetings. And so I, I guess I was not paying attention in the President's Council meeting as I should, <laughs> and so I was scrolling through Twitter feeds, and I've got a search stream for, for Baylor. And all of a sudden, I see um, some people start talking about uh, Baylor reaching R1 status uh, on my Twitter feed. And it was uh, someone from TCU talking with someone from the University of Tennessee or something like that. And I was like, well, what's going on here? Have, and so all of a sudden, we start, I, I paused the meeting. I said, guys, I think we may have just reached R1 status. And everybody's like, what's going on here? And uh, sure enough, we start researching and it, uh, you get Google out. And we sure enough found that we have. But uh, it was an exciting moment. One of mm-hmm. these things that sometimes the, the, the best surprises are the ones you don't expect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just one of those moments. Of course, President Livingstone will never let me live down that I was not listening or participating in the meeting. But, <laughs> hey, if I hadn't, we may have not have known, Derek. That's true. It might never have found out, right? No. You're right. But, well, you know, Carnegie, what, every three years is when they release this. And based on the projections, we knew we were going to get there, but we didn't think it would necessarily be in 2021. And so it's not like they have a big announcement day. It just sort of trickled out. Uh, no, you're exactly right. They just posted uh, the update on your on the website. You don't know when it's going to happen or, or whatever. And uh, so it's, uh, I think sometimes the Carnegie Foundation may need some PR help on mm-hmm. uh, trying to make a big deal. But gosh, what an exciting time for the institution. And, and it was a weird time. It came out at the end of December, but the opportunity we had this spring to celebrate that moment with our faculty and staff. And, and you're right. It, it, this is something that didn't just happen when President Livingstone came on board or Jason Cook or or Kevin Chambliss or Nancy Brickhouse, our provost. It, it's really the culmination of decades of movement and investments that have been made. And uh, we've just been blessed to be here in leadership roles uh, when it happened. Well, it's exciting to see. And we saw a lot, as you said, faculty and students and even alumni celebrating. What, what does this mean? How should people uh, kind of in their minds picture what this means to Baylor from a reputational standpoint, uh, whether it's among other universities or even just saying, I'm a Baylor grad? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, we like the buzzword, hey, we're now R1. But you know, you know the question, what does it mean? I, there's a couple of components to it, Derek. Because one, it really communicates that, that, that Baylor's in the club. 
And when I say in the club, amongst the top academic institutions, the top research institutions around the country. And yet we have quickly moved from a, a, a small regional uh, faith-based institution to really a national Christian research institution in a short period of time. So so that, it's just a validation, kind of like, you remember in, back in the day, Good Housekeeping did their seals <laughs> of approval? Yes. Yeah, you know, R1 status, we've got the R1 seal uh, of approval there. Um, it, it, it means that uh, we're going to be able to attract a higher level of faculty to come and to uh, teach our students, uh, to grow our research portfolio. That is a, is a designation. We're already seeing that in, in a lot of our faculty openings and then also our administrative ap- ap- appointments for, for deans. It's just people who where Baylor would not have been on their radar before now we are. So that's a that's a really significant point. And I think more broadly, uh, the idea that Baylor now has a seat at the table at, at a, a with a lot of conversations that take place within higher education because our academic profile is different now. So we're um, uh, looking at some of the biggest issues facing higher education. And uh, for the first time in, in, a, in a lot of instances, Baylor's invited to participate that conversations. And that's so rich that we have an opportunity as a Christian institution to, to speak uh, our, our faith and values into some of these uh, issues of great importance. You know, Jason, you mentioned, you know, our faculty through their research and uh, relationships will be at this, have a seat at the table in conversations as we've talked about some of the big problems in whether it's hunger, the environment, uh, health, any number of things. President Livingstone in, uh, in her role is also uh, seems like having a lot of leadership opportunities in higher education and college athletics. What, what is the impact of her work nationally on, on our brand and our influence? Well, it's, it's really amazing how her profile has has risen along with that uh, of the of the institution as well. And uh, you look at the role that that she's playing is uh, with the NCAA, for example. Uh, she, she was on the initial Constitution Committee. Uh, then she gets appointed to the Transformation Committee, and now um, she's uh, appointed to the new Board of Governors, where it used to be like 33, 34 people. Now she's one of nine uh, people who are really, this is the board of the NCAA. Um, she's the vice chair of the Big 12 Conference. She'll be incoming, uh, she'll be the president or the chair next year. Um, she's the incoming chair of the uh, American Council of Education, things of that nature. So um, through her, um, Baylor has a significant voice in these national organizations that are dictating uh, the future of college athlete, uh, of college athletics and higher education, but also dealing with uh, you know, these transformative times as well. Um, so I think that people look at her for different reasons. Uh, I think first and foremost, she's a, a dynamic uh, leader. Uh, her background is in organizational dynamics. I'm always fearful that we're just in a big academic uh, experiment with her a lot <laughs> of times. Uh, but her ability to lead and, and generate vision and get consensus with people. And then uh, obviously her role as, um, as a student athlete and uh, and then she's been at both um, um, uh, uh, faith-based institutions and then public institutions as well. So she brings so many different perspectives into all kinds of conversations that she's being sought after. And then with her in these roles, obviously Baylor's going along with her. You know, you mentioned that there's so much change taking place, you know, whether it's in college athletics, certainly, but really just higher education and 
anything that has a, a business tint to it in any way, there's a lot of change taking place. So you mentioned her impact, but where does Baylor stand in the middle of that? What does it mean to have her involved in that change? But then also, how do you feel like Baylor is positioned in this environment of change? You know, it's always good to be inside the room rather than outside the room. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, because of some of the uh, the things that happened at our institution um, previously, a lot of times we're left out of, of those conversations. Well, now we're at a point where we can uh, have influence and not just influence from academic credentials, for example, or, you know, our, our presence in research or uh, the incredible work that our alumni do. But it does provide us an opportunity to speak to who we are as a, a Christian institution with strong historic Baptist principles, which just hasn't changed. That's one of our distinctiveness as an institution. And uh, it, it allows us to bring all the entire Baylor story to bear uh, in so many conversations. You know, you mentioned, I know we're covering a lot of different areas as we move on, but uh, you mentioned these distinctives. As you interact with students who are now, uh, you know, part of Gen Z, you know, you think about it's scary to think how young the students we're recruiting right. are now. Um, you know, it makes me feel very old. But uh, what stands what, when you talk to them or their parents when, when admissions does, what do you learn about what the what aspects of the Baylor brand mean to them? Well, I call it the Baylor formula uh, at the end of the day. And, and really, it's based on the research that we talked about earlier in our conversation, Derek. And, and there's four components to that. Uh, first and foremost, um, and this always bears out in the research, it's, it's the combination of our Christian faith, Christian focus as an institution, plus academic excellence, plus our mid-size. You know, we're, we're not too big. It's like three little bears. We're not too mm-hmm. big, but we're not too small. We're just right for so many students and their parents. And then add that that we compete in big-time college athletics. It's those four components that really add together that, that give us a, a unique position in the marketplace, and people are attracted to it. Uh, this past year, um, for this fall class coming in, we had a record 51,000 applications, right? Wow. An all-time record, 51,000 applications, and it's about up over 5,000 from last year. Wow. So um, just a significant interest, and uh, and I think, uh, yes, it's because of our, our success, but it's really that we have a distinct place in the marketplace. And I think that we've talked about before that, you know, how do we stand out in the sea of sameness mm-hmm. of, of colleges and universities? That's it. That's our formula, and uh, it's been really successful for us. Uh, is it a, uh, a benefit to you that, right, you know, you have a student, you and your wife, Leanne, have a student at Baylor right now, and you are recruited, you know, right now you're talking to what, Gen Z students with uh, Gen X parents. Right, uh, right. So how much of a benefit is that to you that you're a part of that, and what stands out about recruiting in this time? Well, I, my son is going to be a sophomore at Baylor, and I think uh, most of the time I'm just rumor control uh, for him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is and I'm about to, to age out as a parent. We've got millennial parents coming in now, but it has given me a, a very different perspective in terms of the entire recruitment um, experience that my son went through and where we are now. And I, I think that what we're seeing in a, a lot of societal changes that are happening is Gen Z has different viewpoints, perspectives, and values than I do and a lot of parents do as Gen X. And then when when they're looking at college decisions, the, the, the prospective students, the Gen Zers are looking for one thing and the parents are looking for another. So I think that our challenges, and this is why we do all this research, we look for areas of commonality. And then we look at this area, how 
does this fit into the Baylor formula that we just talked about? And then how do we get people who have maybe different wants, needs, and desires from a college education to bring them together. And uh, we've been very successful at doing it. And yes, I get a, a little boots on the ground research for my son from <laughs> time good. to time. Visiting with Jason Cook, Vice President for Marketing and Communications. And Jason, as we have in the final few minutes, let's talk athletics uh, a little bit. You know, we had Mac Rhodes on the show last week, looking back at the past year. And in, in the last week, we've seen some exciting news. Brett Yormark as the uh, commissioner of the uh, of the Big 12. And, of course, a time of a lot of change in the Big 12. Um, you've been serving on the Big 12 Brand Positioning Committee and, and worked on a new brand campaign. You know, I know we're going to see the fruits of that uh, in time. But what stood out to you about that process and where the conference that Baylor's a part of is heading? Well, I, I will tell you what a year it's been because it was this time last year where we were thinking the, the Big 12 was going to be gone, uh, where you had the – they announced departures of, of Texas and Oklahoma. They announced that they're going to move to the SEC, and the, and the Big 12 was looking, what are we going to do? In a period of 12 months, uh, we've hired four new members uh, in BYU, in Cincinnati, Central Florida, in Houston. And uh, you know what, what we wanted to do is when you have such transformation happening, we wanted to see was the brand truly impacted uh, of the Big 12, and then what's going to be the impact of these new schools coming in. So we uh, – done a, a lot of brand research, national brand research, looking at w- comparisons between the old and the new conference. How does that look? And, and, and frankly, we were very surprised, Derek. Uh, yes, there, they, it did have an impact but um, with, the, with the departure of Texas and OU in a couple of years, but it's not as great as what we thought it would be. And it was really exciting when we presented the results of the brand positioning to the presidents and chancellors and the athletic directors a couple of weeks ago that, um, that we have a really exciting future uh, ahead of us. And uh, if you look at uh, where our demographic markers are, our league is really resonating with 18 to 44-year-olds. And you know what? Who likes 18 to 44-year-olds? TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what the Big 12 faces in a, cu- in a couple years? New TV contract negotiations. So I, we think that we're really well positioned from a de- demographic standpoint, from a geography perspective, adding uh, uh, the mountain time zone in Florida, and then uh, some great brands. BYU, I think their their brand presence is probably just as big as Notre Dame. Uh, then you look at Central Florida, probably a, a, a very fast-growing young brand. Uh, I think that that's going to br- they're going to bring a lot of excitement and energy to the league. So, so really looking at how we position the conference once we get settled on the membership moving forward is going to be really important for us, but very exciting as well. So uh, I always tell Dr. Livingstone that's uh, my other duties as assigned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, given I, I've had some prior career experience in college athletics, it's, uh, it's been a really uh, great process to go through. You know, when I got here, I mean, and even not too long ago, the Big 12 was basically, what, probably a couple hundred miles to either side of 35. Right. Now it's nationals. You said, what What does that, you know, obviously it's exciting to see from a fan standpoint, but to, you know, to the people making the decision to the future, what does it mean? What What are the benefits of being in Florida and, like you say, the national brand like BYU, Cincinnati, et cetera? Right. It, it does bring some, some additional population centers uh, within the Big 12 footprint, which is, a, which is extremely important. Um, that's what uh, TV is looking at is what's your, what's your presence, what's the audience that, that you bring to the table. Um, but, but I do think it, it's, it's exciting for um, our Baylor family. For, you know, we have a great alumni base in Denver. 
for example, well, now we're going to be making uh, trips to BYU, for example, uh, which is going to be in their geographic reason, uh, region. Yeah, we have a lot of, uh, of alums in Florida. So now we're, uh, we're all going to be able to go to Disney World mm-hmm. and when we go to road trips to Central Florida. But that's one thing that really uh, is good, that we're going to be able to, to showcase our institution in different in new places. And uh, not only when we travel, but when they, their fans come here to Waco and to Baylor and sit at the new uh, Foster Pavilion or go to McLean Stadium, we have a lot to show off. So that's really going to be exciting for us. So I, I really think that population and and then the ability to hit some different time zones is going to allow us to really grow the Big 12 brand from for what was for so long, as you mentioned, was a, a regional conference in the middle of the country. Uh, we're going to be able to kind of push or expand our elbows a little bit and nudge some people out. Well, Jason, we also, amidst all that, you know, we'll be welcoming them about a year from now. Um, you know, we'll be getting ready for a season with them. And a new commissioner coming in this year leading that transition, uh, Brett Yormark. You had a chance to uh, meet him last week and get to get to talk to him a little bit. So tell us about him. What stands out to you, a uh, former CEO of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, yeah, Rock Nation, Jay-Z kind of gets the headlines, but he's done a lot of things. Well, I, I think my first impression was just, Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, he is known for for big ideas and, and big deals, I mean, in the in the sports industry. And, you know, people may not know his name, uh, but people definitely know what he's done. And, of course, working with Rock Nation, uh, he's really brought forth this intersection of sports and entertainment together. And, uh, and it's a really unique position uh, for him to be in. And uh, you look at what he, he did with Barclays Arena. He moved the New, York, uh, the New Jersey Nets mm-hmm. to Brooklyn which was a huge move, built this huge, a wonderful basketball arena, $400 million naming rights for that arena as the Barclays Arena. And uh, it, the significance that you know he has personally taken where it's Barclays Arena is now the home of college basketball in New York. He has stolen that from a storied arena in Madison Square Gardens. So that's the kind of big picture thinker that he is. And then ultimately, he's got a, a lot of notches in his belt. Uh, he worked with NASCAR. He signed the largest sports sponsorship agreement ever uh, with $750 million between NASCAR wow. and Nextel Sprint uh, at that time. It was just a, a groundbreaking um, uh, agreement at that time. So, so again, you may not know the name, but you've definitely seen what he's done and the impact that he's made. And uh, yes, it was an out-of-the-box hire for, for the Big 12, but with four new members coming in um, and you've got uh, TV contract negotiations coming up, this really tr- uh, disruptive period in college athletics, it was time for us to, to think a little bit differently and uh, to, to be there with the presidents and chancellors informed him that he was going to be uh, the next commissioner of the Big 12 and to see their excitement and his excitement, uh, I, I think the future for the Big 12 is incredibly bright. Well, that's exciting. Looking forward to getting to, to know him and uh, seeing what's ahead in the years ahead as we visit with Jason Cook. And uh, Jason, as we, as we close down, you know, as we talk about sports here, we also know football's right around the, the corner. And uh, with that, a new institutional spot now, 
without giving too much away. I know there's been some filming taking place, some right. some work behind the scenes. Uh, what can you tell us about? To what, what's a sneak preview of what we should be looking for when football starts? Well, Derek, I mentioned earlier, you know, our goal is to stand out in the sea of sameness. And when I talk about that, you know, the higher education is so competitive. And unfortunately, everybody wants to be like everyone else. Well, when that happens, you lose your distinctiveness. And so what we want to do is make sure that we stand out as a sea of sameness, whether it's the Baylor formula, but then also how we market and how we do things as well. Uh, So we uh, uh, worked with Apollo LTD to uh, write a song specifically for Baylor. Um, and we got news a, cu- a couple of few a couple of days ago that it's going to be released uh, on August 26 by their label. Uh, it's actually going to be on their record coming out, and wow. uh, well, we don't have records anymore on their yeah. uh, their stream coming sure. out. And um, and but kind of the neat component to that is going to have an accompanying music video that Apollo Ltd. shot here in Waco, here on the Baylor campus, and uh, so it's uh, an opportunity for us to to bring some traditional music video elements, traditional commercials, use of user-generated content, and uh, it's just going to be a new approach that we've not seen in higher education before, and I couldn't be more excited about it. So that's all I'm going to tell you about. Well, that's a good preview. Well, yes. look, we don't even have to just wait till football starts. We can go to YouTube for the music video or iTunes for the uh, the song. A lot of yes. ways to take part. We'll, go, yes, we'll look forward to that. Well, Jason, a lot of exciting things to talk about, uh, and uh, we've covered a lot of them here. I know there's going to be more ahead, but thanks for taking the time today to visit. You bet. Thanks for the opportunity, uh, Derek and Sick'em Bears. Sick'em Bears, state of the brand, 2000, uh, summer 2022, with Jason Cook, Vice President of Marketing and Communications and Baylor's Chief Marketing Officer. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder that you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.